0: our history of what we did i i don't think somebody can walk into this business where you're producing a uh, superior grass-fed product with over which you have control of the animal the pastures and the uh, the processing right and the distribution also Mm -hmm. And it's not done in a day and you can't do it this way. And people came to us because our brand was so recognized that the chefs uh, came to us because we had the plant, we could get a a product to them rather quickly. The other thing was that we learned from Jean-Louis Paladin, who was really our mentor, is he liked our lamb because the taste was similar to a lamb that he thought was the best in France, and that was Sister Ron. And it really was our first understanding of the French term of terroir.
1: It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Walson. Farm to Table Talk has made some friends in the time we've had this program going and I'm really happy to see some old friends with us today. And John and Suki Jamison from Pennsylvania and hey, welcome. Glad to glad to see you two again and glad you can join us because when we've had you on before a couple times, I've had a number of people have commented that they really appreciated your story, your journey, and you have done things that many people want to do, and it included the kind of farming that you were involved with, the vertical integration, creating a reputation for for your lamb in particular that top chefs wanted to get a hold of. And I've had a number of people said, now listen to you talk to John and Suki. And <laughs>
0: that's, geez, so that's the kind yeah. of
1: journey we'd like to be on. And so you have inspired others as you've been on this journey, but your own journey has taken a couple of, couple of changes and you've gone through some things uh, let's catch people up a little bit, because again, I think you know, one of the last times we talked, we were, we were going over the fact that you had a really great sheep operation. You have, you know, you're doing everything right in your farm. You have a, a processing plant that you were able to process the, the lambs and, and again, people around the country said, "Gee, I wish I had that." But then things have changed, and then this last year, you've had a lot
0: of changes taking place. So, what's happened since we talked before? Well, the with with me, what happened was I was uh, we were going along and everything was fine, and then COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, uh, our business changed somewhat because we lost the restaurant business of course and we were shipping uh uh an average of 100 lambs uh well 50 to 100 lambs um a week uh for restaurants and then also mail order and so that slowed down and and we slowed down (laughs) because we were in our mid-70s so we were thinking about about selling our plant, which really enabled us to uh, to ship all over the country um, federally inspected. and we had we bought our plant in 94 so we'd been doing this for a long time and and had a system and we're doing quite well. but then losing all that restaurant business changed it to more of a seasonal business. And uh, in doing that, then we uh, uh, we uh, uh, changed the business to more processing for other people, uh, local farmers. And that business was somewhat fickle and uh, not as much fun as our land business, certainly and we kept the lamb and then in uh, in july of last year so a year ago i had a fall and then uh after that i had uh, uh difficulties uh with walking and talking and all sorts of things so uh, uh i got sick I was in. I wanted to sell the uh, the plant, the USDA plant, uh, because I was. We were. It didn't make any sense the way we were running it, and uh, uh, we found a young couple, and they were at about the age we were when we bought it, um, who uh, had a custom plant. And now with all these changes in the with the current administration and Secretary Vilsack, it was a good time for him to to get the plant because it was he could buy our plant that was essentially turnkey. And then uh, uh, rather than fix up his own, own plant. So anyway, he did that. And we were in the middle of negotiation. He was in the middle of talking to me about it. I, I went downhill further and further. And so uh, uh, I got uh, Suki. I called the lawyer and said, you negotiate." The deal. It gives Suki a power of attorney. And as I say, I basically took a vacation starting in September, <laughs> October. It woke up somewhere mid-February, March. And I had sold, we had sold the plant. We didn't have any sheep on the farm, not even our three working dogs. She got rid of those too. Because it was, we were concentrating and getting me back, and that's that's what we did. So that's the change in where we are.
1: Wow. Well, hey, Suki, it sounded like you were a little busy there. So she so was John, So John takes.
2: So John takes a vacation.
1: Uh, John just checks out for three or right. four months, and you've got to run the farm, sell the livestock negotiate with somebody getting new packing plant and uh, all these other things so what'd you do with your spare time yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. three yeah three weeks well actually this is pretty amazing three weeks he was in the hospital and that i've never been in my house overnight for three weeks without my husband so that was a weird one
1: yeah so (laughs) did you hear noises you never heard before
2: yeah exactly (laughs) it was really
1: do you have any trouble finding a home for your sheep
2: no no we did not have any trouble at all we have we've we've been dealing with a, a livestock person uh about an hour and a half from us over the years and he would help us buy and sell animals when we needed to and he took them and sold them all and then i get i gave all my dogs my three beloved border collies i gave them to my shearer and so they got a good home
1: Oh, that's great. That's great. I didn't want
2: to keep the dogs here when they had nothing to do. It just wasn't fair to them.
1: So, you know, there's so much talk these days about getting more processing plants available. And I just thought when you guys would be selling your plant that you would have a, a lineup of people knocking on the door if everybody kind of followed through on the way they talk about it.
0: but. Was that the case? I mean, were you, were you, were you finding a lot of inquiries? inquiries? No, no. Yeah, there was a lot of talk and uh, big talk, big walk. And we
2: he's, had, he had a couple uh, of uh, big companies come in and look at it, but the timing and the our, where we are location and things like that, it just didn't work out. But they were considering that. But we're a small area in Western Pennsylvania, kind of rural, and so it. Wasn't close to where they want to be. But what,
0: what happened here, you know, was I'm sure, well, hopefully you know about this, but in your audience too, but in the last, basically since I was on vacation, as I say, um, uh, a lot of these uh, uh, grants and loans have materialized from the USDA and so you can i mean if we stay if we had stayed in it um i could have expanded it rather easily but you know at my age again and with that condition we really weren't too too excited about doing that on the other hand because this uh, this young couple had their own uh custom plant and had a big following with local farmers. um, It was easier to buy our plant, as I said, turnkey than him having to fix his up, satisfy the USDA to get inspection on his existing plant. So it worked out fine. If we would have held out another six months, you know, it's typical. The timing was was terrible. But if we would have held out, probably we would have had a lot of interest. But on the other hand, to answer your question, our experience was since we had the plant for sale for over three years, um, I was truly amazed at the lack of interest. And I think it's just People looked at it and said, oh, my God, I'm going to have to deal with the USDA. It's a lot of regulation. They're in your plant 40 hours a week. At best, it's uncomfortable, at best. At worst, it's just bad. And so uh, uh, a lot of people, I think, were afraid of it that way. And also afraid of the, uh, uh, you know, the other thing about it is you have potential liability. If you have to do a recall, you have to learn how to do a recall properly there. I mean, you're going from just, oh, this is neat. We're going to be able to slaughter our own animals to opening yourself up to essentially the same uh, potential problems that, Purdue or Tyson have because the rules are about the same there's not a big difference whether you're processing 50 killing 50 lambs a week or whether you're doing uh, you know 20,000 chickens a day well and the other thing
1: you have in common with the bigger plants is that you've got to make it an attractive place for somebody to want to work and you it's not easy work i mean i've gone through no. many of packing plants and processing plants and you know lugging all that meat around and the knives and the cold and every, everything else it's,
2: it's a young man's job it is no yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: no it is that's a challenge but the other challenge that should be propelling people forward is there's more and more folks that want to raise livestock and that's increasing and so i think as you were describing this john It just kind of reminds me that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. So these journeys that I often talk with people about start with them staring at a computer all day and just saying life is too short. There must be something else to do. And and it's very appealing to many people. Mention this is being their own boss. Getting outside, being with nature, many people love livestock, which is hard for some to understand that they end up processing them, that they truly do love livestock. Sure, they do. So, all of those things cause people to say, I want to be there. And then, if you want to be there, you're going to have livestock and try to get up to a level, of trying to find someplace, a market for them when in the case of sheep there's just a couple packers and of any size and the whole nation and you know we got three other four other big meat packing companies and it's a it's a tradition that farmers always feel like they're probably getting cheated a little bit because they think that the you know the packers are always making too much money and the packers always think the farmers are making too much money and that just is a permanent condition coming out of COVID. Uh, was a pretty extraordinary time, and that might have had some effect because people weren't quite sure how you moved ahead, and they were
2: right. They, oh, everything uh, was very uncertain, and that's why we were so so cautious about what we were going to do
0: the we the no uh, the restaurant business was such an important part of our business because it gave us cash flow. So we had uh, uh, in the sense that consistent cash flow. We did better in the retail business, which was tied into the holidays, the Christmas and Easter, or uh, 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 those winter and spring holidays. And, but every week we sold to restaurants. And so that constant flow, Helped us with, you know, we could keep the employees all the time. We had a steady flow of animal throughput, and we needed we, to
2: keep the we needed to keep the plant running.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If we were going to run it, it needed to run on five days. Five yeah, day you going, have to have, have it because
0: you're keep. you're five weeks with the USDA. So to satisfy that, uh five days. Five. What do I say? Weeks. Well, five weeks. Days. Five. <laughs> yeah, we had to keep it going. Yeah. But, no. uh, yeah. But so when that happened, my big question was in Pen- well in Pennsylvania, our uh, governor at that time was very fickle, and I'm I'm being polite. He was very fickle about when you could work and when you couldn't work, and what was an essential business and what wasn't and so and then you could restaurants could be open and then they could not be open and because of that uh gray area we we couldn't depend upon it uncertainty yeah
1: yeah yeah so in in some respects i mean part of what you went through was was the casualty of those times too sure it was definitely still think there's some lessons we're probably learning that that might be positive out of it but we're still trying to piece that together as far as like i know here one of the things that's happening is that there's they're doubling down on trying to shorten the supply chain and try to get more production uh locally and get more of the small medium-sized farms to be able to supply large institutions like the universities and the jails and so forth and I think that's a healthy thing. It's uh it's taken a while cuz it's not easy to do it, but but they're working on it and it's making progress. I want I want to ask you just one more thing. We will kind yeah. of go on on this journey, but Sure. Um so today, uh you know, there still are these other people that are at different stages of their own journeys that are thinking that they might need to line up you know, processing. Have, do you counsel them? Are you uh, have you made yourself available to do any consulting or or coaching for these folks that are are at stages that maybe they got four or five decades
0: ahead of them yet? Right. Well, I we've
2: always been a little bit ahead of our time. We say
0: we, we <laughs> yeah. We, one of the things I'm glad you brought that up because it's kind of become a little bit of a. Sore point to me. I've seen a lot of people online advertising after having um, uh, retired from the dot com business or whatever, or sold their businesses for hundred for millions of dollars, and they're farming for two years. And if you send them X amount of dollars, they'll teach you how to do all this. And uh, uh, the fact of the matter is that we've been doing it for 45 years and uh, we've learned it through the different uh, stages. And I'm not promoting myself, but what I'm promoting, although, yes, we would be very interested in consulting, having said that. But uh, uh, ours is, is, you know, it's just our history of what we did. I, I don't think somebody can walk into this business where you're producing let's say it, it, it we would be the model where you're producing a uh, superior grass-fed product with, over which you have control of the animal, the pastures and the uh, the processing. Right And the distribution also. Mm-hmm. And it's not done in a day and you can't do it this way and send out a certain type of email that's going to just say the exact right words. That's not what it is. We were after after we'd been doing it for, let's say our total was 40 years to make it easy. After 15 years or so, we never advertised. People came to us because our brand was so recognized that the chefs uh, primarily uh, came to us because we had the plant, we could get a, a product to them rather quickly instead of going to another farmer who produced great product it had to send it to somebody else and then the process the the processing might be fine, but the packaging stunk. And so with us, that was what we learned and that's what we did. And it's, uh, the other thing was, uh, quite frankly, with, uh, that we learned from Jean-Louis Paladin, who was really our mentor is he liked our lamb because the taste was similar to a lamb that he thought was the best in France. And that was Sister Ron. Um, and it was um, uh, the, the elevation was within a hundred feet of what our elevation is. Hmm. He and I always thought that that was, they were, we were growing the same kind of grass and it had a taste and it really was our first uh, understanding of the French term of terroir, and we use that and 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 I've done talks about it and saying about the terroir where we are, and people laugh at me, and I said, you know, there's terroir with wine. Why can't sure. it be it with with lamb or sheep and lamb and and. They have a certain taste from the grass they're eating that makes a difference.
1: When you were getting started, people weren't talking about whether or not you were, quote, sustainable or, or regenerative or marketed as grass-fed. I mean, that's what's so remarkable, I think, about what you did was create, um, create a brand, an image, and a reputation among these discerning chefs Based on flavor, based on your system, before it became fashionable.
0: Yeah, we were. We talked to a to a food writer. I should say who it is. I guess who was the former restaurant critic of the New York Times, Ruth Reichel. who's mm-hmm. very famous. And she and I were at an event, and uh, she was talking to a lot of you know important writers and stuff, and I reintroduce myself briefly and she said you were you were very prescient in the true sense of the word meaning we were doing what she meant was we were doing grass fed and 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 unfiguring out how to do it properly early just for no other reason that we just kind of lucked out uh, we did it and it worked and we're not area that has great grass and and i mean everything just fell into place but but we yes we did it very early now the the sheep are gone the
1: packing plants gone and you guys are still there so right uh what keeps you out of trouble now you can't chase the sheep or worry about the packing plants staying up
2: i can still cook so that's
0: (laughs) there you go there you go yeah Yeah. so we we, when suke and when we were at the peak of all of this we did uh we started doing dinners at the farm that were basically uh, cooking classes so we'd have somebody from the plant show them how we cut different cuts and then suki would cook them and it took on a life of its own but it's become you know in this in this age of pop-ups it's kind of worked to be acceptable that People will come out here, bring their to the farm, bring their own wine, and uh, we'll have a dinner for, you know, two hours. And it's better than anything they could get at any fancy restaurant in Pittsburgh. And it works out for us and everybody enjoys himself. And so it's great. And that's we've been doing that a lot uh, through Um now that I'm back from my vacation, I can I tell all my stories about all the crazy chefs and who's good and who isn't, and who's a jerk and who pays his bills (laughs) and who doesn't. But anyway, that's what we do. We're having fun with it. And we're enjoying the farm and not having to I still we maintain the pastures and probably in the future we either put sheep back on it or we'll have somebody lease it. Um, And and so I'm still taking care of everything. But uh, we have, because of the way that we've rotated the pastures, we have 150 acres of pasture um, on 23 paddocks. And we've sequestered a lot lot of carbon because of the rotation. But how you do that without without livestock
1: coming down and grazing them down to a certain level, though?
0: Well, that's right. That's what we did. So well, you're not doing said, it now, though, right? No, we aren't. But what we do do is that we, uh, and, you know, we're probably going to go into that more. We're going to have livestock back on it. But what we do now is we graze, or I'm sorry, we mow with a rotary cutter. Oh, okay so everything is composting we aren't taking hay off yeah so we're letting that we're we're really not being frugal in the sense that we're we're not selling the hay uh, but we're putting that all the nutrients from that grass back into the soil so we're composting that way now i've i've worked i talked to the people at penn state about this and it's going to keep it the way it should be for at least a few years No, that's great that's yeah it works fine it's just like cover crop that's all you're doing and tell us again where you are from
1: is it's Pittsburgh the closest large city yeah we're 40
0: miles east of Pittsburgh
1: well it's perfect
0: yeah it's all Hills it's Litro which is famous for uh, the first professional football game, although that's in question, the first banana split, Arnold Palmer, Mr. Rogers, and Jamison Farm. (laughs) Mr. Rogers, too? Oh yeah, he's from Latrobe. He's a
2: big deal. On
0: yeah, he is. Can you say lamb chop? It's, he, it's he was great.
1: we need another movie of you guys all the famous
0: people of, of the yes. area. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mr. Did he like lamb, do you know? No, he was a vegetarian. Ah. His, his his wife loved
2: it. We did it. We did a fundraiser, two fundraisers.
0: Two fundraisers for
2: through, the Rogers through. Center because they have a you know, a center at the uh, St. Vincent College,
0: mm-hmm. not far from here, and, and they have all his uh, archives, archives, all
2: his records, everything. It's an amazing it's setup wonderful. they have at the at the university. That's exciting.
1: That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, do some of the people that use your event space uh, do you do you get anybody that tries to like do causes, like do either fundraisers or other kind of oh, things that's for programs? Like, yeah, yeah oh, that's, that's, that's it, huh? We did yeah. the
2: Community Liver Alliance uh, two weeks ago, which is a local liver organization, and, and they, we take fifty guests, and that's just, my limit is fifty.
0: Uh huh. And then. Uh, and then they bring their a, own wine, and then they have yeah. liver surgeons that can fix them if they drink too much. <laughs> and then, and then this week we're doing.
2: Last week we did the uh, a wine dinner a person who sells wine
0: yeah
2: she, that she wanted to have that. a dinner and promote her wine so we did for her and then this week we're doing the latrobe arts center which is connected.
0: which was actually started by fred, fred rogers, rogers sister
2: that's and so cool actually.
0: and, and then fine. next week or the thursday of next week next
2: week we're doing a lunch
0: yeah that's a pittsburgh vintage grand prix And all these people come out here in vintage sports cars before 93 and drive all around the back roads here, which are beautiful in the hills. And then they come here and have lunch. And that charity is for autistic children.
2: That's huge. I mean, this
0: is wonderful. This uh, This
1: is great. And in some ways, you're getting to even to do more than that in case you start. Missing the fact that you have all the issues that happen with livestock or USDA inspectors, you can think, well, you know (laughs) what? We're doing good. We're making people happy. We're helping good events. You know, exactly. Life could be worse.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I get to cook. That's what I love to do. So,
1: do you get some helpers when you do this? I mean, you sometimes.
2: Sometimes my one well, my one helper who was he worked at the plant and he was my right hand man and he died a couple of years ago, unfortunately. I have another friend who's a a chef who comes and helps me at some, some of the events, but. And then So what
1: does does John do? Just stand around and. Drink some no, of my good I wine t- with folks. And, I you know. tell stories.
2: Yeah, oh, I'm the
0: entertainment. She's the back of the house. I'm the front <laughs> of We've then always, said, it, we've it, always it, set it up that way. So yeah. then she was worried about me when I was on vacation because she talked more than I did. Yeah, so I didn't know what she was going to do. We,
1: we may have gotten carried away. Some of the people that tuned in here late, and still, uh, he's kind of kidding. I was kidding him about calling her vacation, but he was sick for a while and now he's better. So
0: <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
1: That's so right. this is a good story. Well, you know, what? I really appreciate what you two are doing. And it's, once again, I'm inspired about the next stage of journey ahead that I hear from the Jamisons. Glad we, can we could have this conversation. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll check back again down the road. All right. Thanks, thanks so Roger. Much. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson.